You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. We've been singing a lot about Amazing Grace this morning. And uh, that's the title of our message. I'm going to do this in two, two parts. So this is the first part today. Amazing Grace. Ephesians chapter 2 is going to be taken basically from there. Ephesians chapter 2. But let me just read verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Grace. What is it? Well, Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's extended to every person born into this world. For everyone. In his grace, God is willing to forgive us and bless us abundantly. In spite of the fact that we don't deserve to be treated so well or dealt with so generously. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how low you've gone, doesn't matter how bad you are, how immoral you are, his grace is extended to everyone. What do I have to do then to receive it? Only believe. We all got that? Believe. Only believe. Believe and receive. That's it. Believing is faith. Faith in God. So what about praying and reading my Bible and going to church and paying my tithes? Well, all of these things are important for spiritual growth and to reveal the extent of God's grace that is available to us. But these are not the things that you earn, do to earn God's grace. God's grace is available to you whether you do that or not. But every wise man and woman will do these things. To fully understand grace, we need to consider who we were without Christ, and who we have become with Christ. The Bible tells us that we were all born in sin. We're born sinners. We like to look at our little children and say they're so innocent. Well, The Bible says we were born in sin. Psalm 51, 5, the psalmist says, I was born a sinner, 
Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Paul spells it out in Ephesians chapter 2 concerning the born-again experience. Verses 1 to 3 of Ephesians chapter 2 goes like this. And you he made alive. He made us alive. Who were dead in trespasses and in sin. We were spiritually dead, spiritually separated from God. Death is a separation. When you die physically, your body is separated from your spirit and your soul. When we are spiritually dead, we are separated from God. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, which is Satan's spirit, among all whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Paul is laying out our condition before we became born again. Before we accepted Christ, before we accepted that wondrous grace, that amazing grace that God makes available to all of us, that's what we were like. But then, in verse 4 to 7, he says, but God. You see, God makes the difference. That was my condition from birth, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. Remember, God so loved the world. That's everybody. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a position we find ourselves in as born again believers right now. We're seated in heavenly places with him. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And I just can't stop there because Paul explains this so clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 to 11. And he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, or homosexual, or sodomites, or thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revelers, or extortioners will enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, God's grace is available, but folks, we can't just live that old sinful life and expect to have a home in heaven. 
This is the Bible. This is not me. This is not the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Anywhere where you'll find the Bible preached, this is what you'll find. But, here again, he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was like that, but I'm not like that anymore. And these things that are mentioned here, I, I, would, I would venture to say that every one of us that are in this room right now has been involved in some of these things. But that's not our lifestyle now. There's been a change taking place in my life and in yours. As the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Any woman be in Christ, she is a new creation. The old things are passed away and everything has become new. That's the grace of God. When you allow it to enter into your life, he extends that ability for you and I to live a life that is clean, that is pure. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of Jesus. By the Spirit of our Lord. So let's look at grace and faith. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith. The grace is extended to you, but you have to believe it. That's faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If it could be by works, you would have such boasting going on. Wow. I gave $2,000 to the church. Oh, I helped my neighbor. I paid off my neighbor's car. I, I helped my neighbor when he got out of work. And all of these things are good and proper and should be taking place within the lives of people who have the ability to do so, but it do not earn our salvation. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so we are all in the family of God because of his grace, not because what of, of what we have done. We need to understand the balance of grace and faith and how intertwined they are to each other. By definition, the word grace means unmerited unearned, undeserved favor. The truth of the gospel message is that grace has nothing to do with you. Grace is all God. Grace is God's part in this. Amen? Now faith has everything to do with you. Faith is your part. Faith is my part. Faith is a positive response to what God has already provided by grace. You hear the message. You hear what God has done. You hear the provision that he has made, and you accept it. You believe it, and you accept it, and you receive it. 
Grace and faith work together, and they must be in balance. The profound truth declared here is that we are saved by grace through faith, not one or the other. Both. Grace through faith. Grace is what God does, and faith is what we do. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We begin to believe it. And then we begin to apply it in our lives. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith is believing and acting upon God's word. Salvation is not dependent on grace alone. If it were, everyone would be saved and going to heaven. Because God's grace is the same towards everyone. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to everyone, or is revealed to all men. He has already made the gift of salvation available to everyone through Jesus. It is by faith that a person receives what was done over 2,000 years ago that applies to our life even today. God's will concerning His grace to save doesn't automatically come to pass in our lives. Jesus said that not everyone would be saved. Listen to this now. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, which leads to life, and there are few who find it. That's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 7, 21. Jesus is speaking again and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devils in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, we cannot presume upon the grace of God. The grace of God is available to those who believe. And to believe is to adhere to, to obey what God's word says. We need to understand that. There is a thing that referred to the sloppy agape and, and grace has been warped all out of shape to accommodate sinful man. Yet the Bible teaches that it is the will of God that none should perish. Second Peter chapter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Repentance is turning around, going in a different direction. God don't want anyone to be lost. He wants us to go in the right direction. To turn to him, to follow him. 
But if we will not do that, then we're rejecting God's grace. And if we reject God's grace, we're lost. There's no hope. Isn't that amazing? No wonder it's called amazing grace. God has provided salvation. Listen to this. God has provided salvation, healing, financial provision, and everything else that we need. But if we don't respond in faith to what has been provided by grace, we won't receive it. And there's a lot of people who choose to listen to what somebody who is supposed to be a scholar, a theologian, and they've got a name for themselves, and people listen to what they say rather than go to the Word and find out for themselves what God's Word says. If you believe a man who tells you that the day of miracles are past, that tells you that there's no such thing as a Holy Spirit that fills you to an overflowing, baptizes you, gives you a heavenly language so that you can communicate on a better level with God. If you believe that man rather than what God's Word says, you're not walking in faith. You're listening to a lie. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And folks, it's the truth that you know and believe that sets you free. If you know the truth and you believe the truth, that's what brings freedom. The truth is that you and I need to put our faith in what God has already done. What he has promised and declared in his word, the only thing you need to do is believe. Believe the Bible. Believe the word of God. And if you will read the word of God, when somebody comes up with something that sounds good, if it's not in the Word, you'll know it, and you won't follow it. God, by His grace, has already provided healing and prosperity, forgiveness for sin, and much more. However, it must be appropriated by faith. Grace for every need. God's grace is provided not only for salvation, but also for your every need. That provision is not based on whether you are reading your Bible enough. But how can you know or have faith if you don't read your Bible? Okay? It's not a religious thing, folks. God is not going to come down on you because you didn't read your Bible today. But you need to read your Bible so that you will know what the Word of God says. And the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so when you read your Bible, you will grow in faith. 
You read your Bible for knowledge and understanding. God speaks to us through his words. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Reading your Bible and praying enhances good communication with God. The psalmist in Psalm 119.05 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. When you are reading the Word, and you get some of these, these Bible verses into your heart and into your soul, it makes such a difference when the winds of adversity blows your way. When things are not looking so good. This is what it says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Be thankful for what you've done. It doesn't take very long to realize that God has done some great things in your life already. Thank Him for that. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Folks, we should be so carefree because we've got God on our side. The giving of tithes and offerings sets up one for all kinds of blessings. This is the open heaven's blessing that is recorded in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in these things, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. How are you going to know about that if you don't read it in the Word? It's different when you read it in the Word and you get it down in your heart. It's different than somebody from the pulpit or someone on TV telling you that you're going, you, you can be, expect blessings when you give. Overflowing blessing, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. Or the King James says, will men will give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now listen to me, folks. A lot of times when I get to here, people turn me off. They start thinking about what they're going to do, what, what they're going to have for dinner, or all of these things. But listen, please, 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 don't get stuck on money when I speak of blessing. When the, when the Bible speaks of blessing, for most of us, a large sum of money would be a curse. 
we couldn't handle it. There is so much more that God has for us that would be much more profitable for us and more, much more of a blessing to others than money. But the human carnal mind, when you talk of blessing, silver and gold. Remember Peter and James, I think it was, on their way up to the temple? The beggar, he's looking for money. And they say, silver and gold, have I none. But such as I have, give I unto you. Folks, we have so much to offer to our community. We have so much. And you think, well, you know, like, I'm just not able to share it. You know, like, I, I don't know how. I feel so inadequate. I don't know the Bible like the pastor does. Ah, oh, but you've got an experience. You can tell people the actual fact, what God brought you out of. If you were bound by alcohol, by drugs, sexual addiction, pornography, and God released you, Delivered you from that. If your marriage was on the rocks. If you were estranged from your mom and your dad. Or your brothers and your sisters. When God got a hold of your life, he restored your family relationship. That's something that people are longing to hear. They want to know that there is hope. God never meant this to lay a heavy burden on you. His word is meant for your good, not for your destruction. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is meant to encourage you, to bless you, to prosper you. Before you ever had a financial need, God created the provision. Before you were ever sick, God provided your healing. Before you ever became discouraged or depressed, God provided your deliverance. God anticipated every need you could ever have and has met those needs through Jesus Christ before you existed. That's grace. Grace becomes a reality in your life when mixed with faith. Faith seizes what God has already provided. Faith don't move God. He isn't the one who's holding back. Grace and our faith works together to receive what he is offering, what he has provided. We can take it or leave it.
God is not forcing it on us. But the wise man, the wise woman would say, yes, I'll, I'll receive that. I receive that, Lord. Hallelujah. Grace for total victory in every spiritual battle. We're all in a spiritual battle, folks. There's spiritual battle all around. Scripture makes it very clear that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And when the Bible says when people keep on sinning, it means that you just don't do anything about it. You sin and you don't ask forgiveness. You make light of it. You just don't address the situation. Satan is the one who seeks whom he may devour. Satan is the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus is the one who came to set us free from all the works of the devil. That's his grace. In Acts chapter 10, 38, tells us, You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. You hear that? And sometimes people say, well, I sure would have liked to have been around when Jesus was around doing that kind of thing. But if you are a born-again believer, baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have that same anointing available to you. We are the hand of Jesus extended. And for too long, we have, we have sort of assigned the pastor and the evangelist and the prophet to do this work that God intended for the church to do. And that's what Troy is trying to get across. Right? In his voice. You should go there. Man, it's powerful. The idea that God neither either causes or allows evil so that we will somehow grow spiritually does not line up with the biblical message of grace. It renders people passive and takes away their hope. If you believe that God is trying to teach you something through your sickness and poverty, then why see a doctor? You're going against God's will if that's what it is. But that's not God's will. I said that's not God's will. Amen? And so why see a doctor? I mean, why take that medication? You're not going to learn anything that way? If, if, if sickness is going to teach you something, then if you want to really learn the lesson, don't get any medication. 
<laughs> Do you really think that God is responsible for killing babies, murder, rape, terrorism, abuse, violence, poverty, and sickness? No. Satan is the author of evil. And the Bible clearly states that we are to resist him. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned into mourning for, and your joy to gloom. If you're not going to submit to God, then really what it's saying is you deserve the misery that you're going through. Because God has provided a way whereby you can be set free. Resist means to actively fight, attack, battle, counterattack. And God's grace has provided everything necessary for victory in every spiritual battle. And as I get ready to close, let's look at grace versus works or performance. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Let me read it again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is important to continue to walk in God's grace after the initial experience of accepting Christ into our lives. We don't just stop there. Grace is a free gift from God. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it, and I didn't work for it. It's a gift. It's a gift. Just as we receive salvation through faith, without working for it, we also receive every other gift of grace through faith without working for it. Man, I'm going to tell you, once some of you get this, this into your heart and into your mind, into your soul. It's going to set you free. Anything you do other than believe becomes performance. We came to God's kingdom by grace. We must also live in it by grace. Being confident, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Jesus has begun a good work in you. If you fall flat on your face, get up and go again. Amen? It isn't our spiritual disciplines that, that, and works that earn us God's favor and blessing in our lives. Somehow we think when we're doing pretty good. I haven't, I haven't cussed for weeks. I haven't told a lie for generations. You know, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't got mad at my wife. 
I haven't thrown a dish or a saucer at my husband for weeks. I'm really getting good now. But it isn't our spiritual disciplines. This all continues to flow from the riches of his grace and unmerited favor. He loves you when you lose your temper and shoot off your mouth and put your foot in your mouth and all of these ugly things. He still loves you. You're his child. The Bible is clear that we are saved to serve. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every born-again believer should do good works. Our works are an indicator of how we are responding to God's love and grace. If we're doing things out of guilt to please and appease others, we're being performance-oriented. But our works, some things that we could include in works is teaching, helping, giving, should be a response to God's love and grace. And so the things that we do is an act of love for God. I love him. I want to serve him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So if you're working for a cranky old boss, you can never do anything right. Just think of it. Buddy, I'm not doing this for you. If I was doing this for you, I'd quit right now. But I'm doing this as unto the Lord. I want to be a good testimony on the job. There are many godly spiritual disciplines that we all need to be involved in, such as regular church attendance, daily devotions, Bible study, prayer, fasting, scripture reading, witnessing, giving of tithes and offerings. These are our good and important Christian activities that help in our spiritual growth and help in the growth of the church as a whole. But we do not do these things to earn God's favor for answered prayer. Okay, Lord, I need healing in my body. I just want to tell you today that I've been going to church regularly now. I'm, I'm doing my daily devotions. I'm doing Bible study. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm witnessing to my neighbors and people on the job. And I'm giving my tithes and offerings every Sunday. So, Lord, heal me. You don't need to do any of this to receive your healing. You do these things because you love the Lord. Because you're a born-again believer. You're a child of the Most High God, a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As recipient's conclusion, worship team, wherever you are, as recipients of God's grace, 
Christians are to be gracious to others. Grace is given to us to serve others and to exercise our spiritual gifts for the building up of the church. A person who is secure in God's love and grace doesn't need get discouraged when they fail or something goes wrong. You don't throw up your hands and say, that's it, it's all over. Not going to serve God anymore. We get back up, dust ourselves off, and keep on going. And you shout with the loudest shouters in church. You dance with the best dancers. You raise your hands, you sing, and you enjoy yourself in God's presence because you're a child of God. Sure, you failed last week. But God says, I love you. And I'm extending my grace to you. And I will never let you go. I will never leave you or forsake you. In your relationship with God, if anyone leaves, it is me. It is you. It's never God. He's right where you left him. Get back on track with him. If we confess and forsake known sin and stand secure in God's love. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Now, I believe that number is just a number just like when, when, when the disciples asked Jesus, if someone sins against me seven times, how many times should I forgive him? The law said seven times. And Jesus said, I, I'd say 70 times seven. So the same thing. If you fall 70 times seven, and even more, God will forgive you. God won't give up on you. Don't you give up on him. I want to make one thing clear. Although God's blessings flow from his grace, not our performance, is by no means it releases us from the responsibility of being good stewards of what he has given us. We need to be good stewards of our time, our talent, and our things. That covers everything in our life. Make sure you give some quality time to the service of the Lord. Make sure you use your talent for his service. If you do something in your workplace that you are skilled at, if it can be used in some way in the church, offer that skill so that the church can grow and be more powerful and more effective in our community. So let's be encouraged by God's grace and love. And it'll produce in us godly character and good works, just as he had planned for us. Amen. Are you thankful for God's grace today? Oh, Heavenly Father, you are so good. 
We want to thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, if you're speaking to a soul right now, give them courage to stand for you. Give them courage to say, yes, Lord. I want to avail myself of your amazing grace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. If you need the Lord to do something for you today, you need salvation for your soul, you need healing for your body, we have a prayer team that will pray with you. Just come forward as our worship team leads us. Amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church place where families connect.